This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. In this episode, we welcome Keith Yandel. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting youth sport coaches and parents who help our children succeed both on and off the field. Each episode, our host Jim Thompson, CEO of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by professional coaches, Olympians, world-class athletes, general managers, and leading youth sports experts who share their insights from their own sports careers. In this podcast, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with Keith Yandel, U.S. Olympic hockey hopeful. Yeah, you, you just got to respect the game and respect other people. And, you know, like everybody's parents say, uh, you know, treat other people how you want to be treated. And you, know, you wouldn't want someone to play dirty on you. So it's, uh, it's something that you, you, should, you should take that into your own game as well. Keith talks about how he developed from being a somewhat reckless youth player into a controlled professional. He also explains why he chose to pursue professional hockey over going to college and reveals his other favorite position as a kid. Keith, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Keith Yandel was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and attended Cushing Academy for high school. He was headed to the University of New Hampshire, but decided to forego college to join the Moncton Wildcats of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. During their 2005-2006 season, he scored 25 goals and had 59 assists helping lead the team to win the league championship. Keith took home both the Emile Bouchard Trophy for Best Defenseman and the TELUS Trophy for Defensive Player of the Year. Keith was selected with the 105th pick of the 2005 NHL Draft by the Phoenix Coyotes. Keith has played in two NHL All-Star games and signed a five-year contract extension with the Coyotes in July of 2011. Keith first played for Team USA in the 2010 World Championships in Germany, and he is now joining us from the 2013 U.S. Men's National Team Camp in Arlington, Virginia, where 48 players are vying for 25 spots on the eventual U.S. Olympic team traveling to Sochi in 2014. Keith, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be uh, on the show. Keith, I've read that when you started playing hockey, you alternated between goalie and defenseman. And I'm curious if you can tell our responsible sports audience a little bit about that experience in goal and how you actually ended up being a defenseman rather than a goalie. Yeah, I um, Well, I first started out as a, you know, just playing uh, defense or forward and then kind of wanted to play goalie. So my dad let me try it and I was uh, actually pretty good. So we would switch off. I would play... Um, half the game we had two goalies so I'd play half the game uh start the game and and goal and then after the second period I would uh change my equipment on the bench and then finish the game at forward and um it came to a time where uh you know the equipment was uh you know a little too expensive for my pa- my parents to uh afford and you know you couldn't really get hand-me-downs because my brother wasn't a goalie so it was kind of thing I had to choose and uh I'm glad I chose to be a defenseman because uh the goalies are uh, a little crazy. They uh, getting puck shot at them all day. It doesn't seem like the best idea now, but it was a lot of fun when I was a kid. So when you say that your dad let you, was he one of your coaches, or was that something you were talking to your parents about, like what position you'd be playing? Yeah, he yeah he was the coach, and uh, I don't think he wanted me to be a goalie, but he um, you know just like 
any dad. Uh, he, you know, he let me uh, pursue what I wanted to do and and ha- had fun with it. And um, you know, it kind of made the decision around uh, I think it was 12 or 13 to be a uh, you know offensive player, a defenseman, and you know, uh, happy with the decision. So what was it like being coached by your dad? I know a lot of parents do that when their kids are young. And what was that experience like for you? It was great. Um, my dad, he was a, uh, you know, around the Boston area, he's a, you know, huge hockey. He's, he's, he's well-respected, knows the game, coached high school for, uh, you know, 30-plus years. And it was great to have him. And he, uh, you know, he never pushed it on me, never forced me to play or, uh, you know, it was always, you know, I wanted to do it. And, um he he wasn't a, he wasn't a screamer yeller kind of just went about coaching and teaching you know, as uh, you know all co- good coaches do especially at that young age you kind of just you know paved the uh, you know, paved the way for the kids let them play and he uh, taught taught us some good lessons so it was great having him as a coach. That's fantastic. I think uh, that's one of a parent's challenges. I'm going to coach my son for the first time this fall and I'm excited but I'm also a little bit nervous about it. But maybe I can uh, learn from your dad's example. Yeah, yeah, just uh, let them have fun. I mean, that's all that really matters, right? That's great. That's great. So I'm curious that your brother played at the University of New Hampshire, and I think, you know, you were headed there and sort of thought you were going to be going there, but then decided to forego college to pursue professional hockey. And I'm curious if that was a tough decision and sort of what you went through to make that decision. It was. It was a very tough decision, you know, especially being, uh, you know, American kid and, you know, from Boston, you dream of playing in college, and my brother was uh, uh, a few years ahead of me in school, so, you know, going to his college games and high school games, you always wanted to play at that level, and, you know, my brother, two-time All-American at UNH, and it was something, my goal was to get there for his senior year and play one year with him so my dad could see us play together, and I thought that would have been pretty cool, but I had to, um, accelerate a year of high school and to try to get out of high school year early to do so and I just wasn't able to you know with the time I I had to do a couple classes in the summer and I just wasn't able to you know get the grades um, or get the as many classes as I needed so my main goal is to go there and play with him and you know when when I you know kind of figured out that I wouldn't be able to do that it was uh, it was when I made the decision to go play up in Moncton and you know, for me, it was a it was a good decision. It was uh, I only had to do one year there, so it was um, something I was only you know you're young, you're young, uh, 18 years old, and going to a different country. It was a tough decision. You know, my parents wanted me to go to college, and um, but it, it was great. We had a great coaching staff there, great guys, so it uh, worked out well. It makes a lot of sense. So, so at Responsible Sports, we often talk about the very best coaches, not just preparing their players to perform really well on the ice, but perhaps even more importantly, teaching them life lessons and skills that transcend the sport. And I'm curious if there are certain coaches in your past that you really feel like stand out in that regard. So maybe, you know, sure, they prepared you to, to play well, but they actually taught you things that you felt you used off the ice as well. Yeah, I actually um, I had a coach, uh, Peter Muse, his name was, uh, we called him Big M. And he, <laughs> uh, he, he, he was a guy, his son is uh, one of my best friends. And he was a guy, he always, he just preached always having fun, no matter if we were at his house playing, you know, outside wiffle ball or, you know, doing your homework, whatever it was, he just preached to have fun with it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's something you might not think is fun, just try to get the best out of it. And, you know, from hockey to homework, it, it, it was always just, you just got to look at it, the you know, the best way you can. And, 
and uh, that that's something that's really stuck with me. I try to have a good time in whatever I do, even if uh, you know it's not going to be fun. Whether you know now if it's a tough workout or uh, you know a tough game, it's uh, you know you always try to get the best out of it and have fun, and that's something that. You know, I uh, you know I'll try to pass that on to my kids, my nephew and uh, and nieces and stuff like that. And I mean, everybody everybody wants to have fun, but it's the you know it's the people who do have fun with everything that I think uh, you know have the best time. Do you keep in touch with the Big M to this day? Uh, you know what? He actually just passed away. He uh, uh, last year uh, during the lockout. But yes, I did. I was uh, at his house uh, the night that he passed away. And, you know he uh he was a great man and just uh you know he he had some uh cancer and some tumors so it was a uh, it was a tough last couple of years for him but he was uh, definitely a big influence in a lot of people's lives not just me I'm really sorry for your loss I uh I'm sure that he was just so proud of you and the fact that you're carrying on his memory this way is really beautiful but I'm I'm really sorry to hear that Oh thank you I appreciate it um, so, so as an ice hockey defenseman, you obviously need to be really tough and, and physical. And I'm curious if there's advice that you could give a younger player about, um, you know, being able to be really tough and a tough defender while still, you know, really playing cleanly and, as we say, in responsible sports, sort of honoring the game. So, so being able to be tough and physical and play your position well but, but be clean at the same time. Yeah, I think the, big thing, the biggest thing is just having respect for, um, you know, you know, other players and, you know, other coaches, other parents. And I remember as a kid kind of running around and, you know, swinging your stick around and kind of trying to be the, you know, fake tough guy or whatever it was. But now you just got to uh, respect the game, respect the players, and uh, and, and, and have fun. And, and you know, I think now, especially at the NHL, you never want to – you never want to hurt someone and, you know, jeopardize their career, their livelihood. And, you know, it's a little different than from when you're a kid. You don't think that way, but – you, know, you you just got to respect the game and respect other people and you know like everybody's parents say uh, you know treat other people how you want to be treated and you, know, you wouldn't want someone to play dirty on you so it's uh it's something that you you should you should take that into your own game as well do you have um like specific advice that you'd give a youth coach or maybe a high school coach that's concerned that the other team is being dirty and they're not quite sure what to do in that situation uh, I would say, I mean, obviously talking to the referees or uh, other, um, you know, the other coach. I mean, obviously in the heat of the moment, people yell and people scream. But I think talking it out and being, you know, you know, mature about it and having just a, you know, adult conversation either with the parent or the uh, the kid himself. Or I think it's just the easy solution. You know, some kids are you know, maybe a little more on edge than others, but I think it's. Uh, you know, if you talk to any kid and or his parents or the referees and coaches, I think it's a it's an easy solution. So, sort of keeping your cool and and talking it through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I've read that your first experience um, playing for Team USA was when you participated in the 2010 World Championships in Germany, and it sounds like it was just incredible that the first tournament game between you and Germany, where you had more than 77,000 people in attendance. I think that was the most that any hockey game had ever had in history. And I'm curious if you can just tell us a little bit about that experience, both of, of that game and that tournament and your first time um, playing for the USA. Uh, it was oh, Actually, I played for the uh, USA for like the under-18s, the uh, Ivan Lenka tournament over in uh, Slovakia was. But for the uh, World Championships, it was for your the team, tournament. Senior team, yep. 
Yep. Yeah, for, for the for the um the the game in Germany, it was amazing. It was uh it was yeah, you know, everybody watches the soccer games and you see all the the hooligans and, you know, people cheering and jumping up and down and that's how they treated our game. It was people screaming, yelling the whole time and uh it was a lot of fun. We lost, which wasn't a lot of fun, but um it, it was a great experience being a part of it and uh you know, definitely something you'll never forget. So so what's the big difference do you feel like playing, you know, professionally in the NHL for the Coyotes and versus playing, you know, putting on the Stars and Stripes and playing for the USA? Oh, it's like uh it's like anything and any time you can represent your country and you know, no matter what it is, it's it's a it's a huge honor and you know, you, you play for your team and you, you you know, you love putting on that jersey, but it's something when when you put on the you know, the red, white and blue, it it touches your heart and it it, it really gets you going, and you can you, you play even harder, and uh, you know you, you want to get so much more out of yourself for that, for the you know for the jersey and the USA on the front of your jersey that it's it's a it's a special honor to to be a part of it. Yeah, were there certain veteran players um, when you first played on the senior team uh, that you really feel like helped welcome you onto that team, and what did they do specifically to make you feel welcome to that team? Um, so the year that I went, we had a pretty young group. There was a lot of young guys uh, around my age. I think I was 21 or 22, and there was a lot of young guys. And everybody, we gelled together pretty uh, pretty quick and had a great group of guys. I remember uh, you know, guys like T.J. Oshie and Jack Johnson and, and just kind of you know, getting teams together, guys like Matt Green, just getting guys together and you know, having fun, whether it's on the bus, you know, cracking some jokes, and, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, when you come together, I mean, you battle against these guys all year, but when you come together for, you know, a team or a camp, something like this, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing how well you can gel with a guy that you're, you're playing against, uh, you know, during the season. Do you have certain, I mean, you've played for so many different teams, and, you know, probably been a captain and played for a lot of different captains. Do you have specific advice for people who find themselves in that role of captain and what they could do to be effective in that role? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being a captain, it's, uh, I think the biggest thing is leading by example, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, if you're, uh, you know, the captain always doesn't mean you're the best player on the team, it means you're uh, putting a role to you know, to lead your team when the time needs you. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, if, they, if you look down the bench and your captain's, you know, slamming the water bottle or kicking the bench, it's, uh, you know, it's something that you just kind of think you can do or another player can do. But if you see him calm, cool, and collective, you, you, you look at him and kind of, uh, you know, feed off of that. So it's uh, being a captain, you have a lot of responsibilities, but it's a good thing to have. That's great. Um, what about during practice, the the role of a captain? Um, yeah, there's there's not much. It's usually uh, I'd say the biggest thing is after uh, you know after losses is kind of the biggest thing. If you lose a few games in a row, it's you know it's up to the captains to kind of get you out of that funk and, hmm. and you know talk the team uh, out of it and, and and getting the team together and doing things and uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think, you know, everybody's the same on the ice, kind of just playing, especially during practice. You're just out there working hard. So it's uh, not too, too not too big of a difference. Are there certain things that your past captains have done after a couple losses where they've, you know, if it's been away from the ice or something to bring the team together and sort of get everybody back up again? Yeah, and I remember um, my first couple of years we uh, we had lost a few in a row, and it was kind of, you know, the time was 
do for us to kind of get together on the road and go do something and just like a simple thing like we we went bowling and just as a team nobody else and you know it's yeah it's a good thing to do on the road too because when you're at home you know guys have you know wives kids right doing other stuff so we were on the road everyone was able to go and it was uh it was a lot of fun to remember that and i remember we got out of that skid and won like seven in a row so it was uh it, was, it worked out well for us the bowling tip we'll be sure to spread that one around yep. Yep. Um, so, so you're now in a position where you're competing for a spot on the 2014 U.S. Olympic team, and I'm curious how you, you're approaching this sort of quasi like tryout period. And are there things that you feel like younger players can learn from you about the way that you're approaching this period? Um, I think it's just uh, you know you know right now obviously we're not skating; it's kind of just coming together. And I think the big thing now is gelling with guys and you know making new friends and kind of getting to know guys you don't know and the coaching staff so it's uh i think i think for the for this camp especially is kind of just getting to know guys and have fun and uh you know be around be around the guys and uh you know kind of just go from there that's great so so i'm curious you know for a lot of high school athletes they may face like a two-week tryout period and um you know, during that time, they feel like every move they make is is being watched and could lead to them making the team or not. And do you have advice for them, like if they're in the middle of a tryout and they make a mistake, like how they could respond to that and what they can do after making a mistake? Where in their head they may feel like, "Gosh, that means I'm I'm not going to make the team." Well, I I know uh, you know personally when you if I see somebody and you know kind of if you see somebody make a mistake, it's not really. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, so it's not really what you do to make the mistake it's what you do after that to uh you know mm. if, if you're you know put your head down and pout you, you know coaches notice that and you know you don't want a guy who's going to get down on himself so it's kind of you pick yourself back up and make a good play after that whether you you know if you're a goal and you let in a bad goal it's making a big save after that or your defenseman gave up a bad you know uh turnover and it's just making a good crisp play after that or scoring a big goal and it's just all uh I think what you do after you make the mistake is the uh, is the big thing. Now, have you always felt that way, or is that something that you've learned over the years? I think it's something I've learned over the years. I remember, you know, getting down on myself, and uh, you know, same thing. Like, uh, you know, you, you kind of think you're being judged on every every move, and kind of think you have one bad day, and you think you're not going to make the team. So it's kind of what you do after that, I, I think, and you know, it's something that you learn as you grow and get older, and I think it's helped me. That's great. Um, so, so knowing that we have a lot of ice hockey parents on the line, um, what specific um, advice and tips would you give those parents about how to make their kids' ice hockey experience the best possible? I think just always, uh, you know, always let them have fun. If they're not having fun with the game, you know, let them take some time off or, you know, whether they want to come back and play next season or in two years. And, you know, if they really love the game, they'll come back. And I think, uh, you know the love for the game has to be there, and you can't you can't push it on anyone. And you know, I think uh, having time off in the summer, playing baseball, soccer, whatever it is, you know, really gets you to have the passion to come back and you know be with the guys in the locker room and have fun the next year. And uh, you know, really, you, you, it gets you ready to play again. That's interesting because I feel like certainly since I was a kid, there's a lot more of a pressure to specialize now. And this idea that if someone is showing talent at a certain sport like ice hockey, that they should just stop everything and start playing ice hockey year round. Um, and it sounds like you're saying something a little bit different. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in playing as many sports as you can. And, 
you know, uh, I, I mean, it helps out. Like, I played baseball across, uh, even basketball, and, you know, you get hand-eye coordination in different sports. You use in other muscles, and I think it's, uh, you know, especially being away from the game when you when – you, I remember playing hockey during the winter and then, you know, summertime uh, baseball and, you know, by the time baseball's over, you're itching for hockey to start up and, and, and you just have the love for the game that way. And uh, So I'm a, I'm a big believer in playing other sports and, and uh, you know, all year. And then when it comes time to, you know, high school or uh, college to just bear down on your best sport or what gives you the best chance to get a scholarship or, uh, you know, play for as long as you can, and, you know, then that's the time to do that. Keith, when was that for you? Was that high school or or even later? Yeah, that was um yeah, after I mean high school I played um uh you know, I did everything. I I played on the golf team, my uh lacrosse team and uh I had to choose between baseball and lacrosse. I ended up choosing lacrosse and I uh played that until uh yeah, my high school was over. Wow. Wow. That's that's wonderful for people to hear that after your success that you were a multi-sport athlete all the way through high school. That's fantastic. Well, Keith, I want to thank you so much for taking this time with me today to um, share all of these insights with our responsible sports listeners. Um, I really think you've, you've told us a lot of things that will help a lot of parents and coaches and student-athletes, and want to thank you so much and uh, wish you all the luck in, um, in uh, earning a spot for the 2014 U.S. Olympic team, and we'll certainly keep our eye on you and, and root for you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Keith. To learn more about responsible sports, visit responsiblesports.com. You'll find valuable responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and helpful advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.